Hey you. Yes, I mean you, dear listener. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Warui Desho podcast. We're so happy to have the pleasure of your company today. If you've listened to us before and like our show, you might be wondering how you could support us, since we won't take your money. This podcast will continue to be free, but if you'd like to show your appreciation, please consider leaving us a rating and review on iTunes, as those help our discoverability. If you don't use iTunes, that's fine too. You can follow us and like and share our content on SoundCloud, YouTube, and Twitter. Additionally, we love getting your feedback, positive or negative. Tweet us at Show or email us at waterwaydeshow at gmail.com. Whether or not it gets read on the show, I can assure you, we all read every tweet and email you send us. And once again, dear listener, we thank you so much. Now please, enjoy the show. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and everyone else. Welcome to Wari Desho. We're back after a brief break. A break that we didn't decide on, but, you know, Golden Week is a thing in Japan. So while I was here, you know, enjoying the sunshine, slavery away at work, you know, they're off, you know, enjoying their little break there. But to be fair, I think the guys behind Darling and the Franks do deserve a bit of a respite from this show. Um, I know that we certainly appreciate it. Um, Speaking of the of the we here of this particular group, uh, joining me once again, as always, is compadre extraordinaire, the subtle doctor. The subtle doctor is not in today's Shadon. Man replacing him by the name of Quinn, the Badlands. Baron Quinn. I, I... Now, you may complain, you may call me a generic far cry antagonist. I am a charismatic villain, but I do not take kindly to such insults. You don't want to taste the blade of my clipper. You will refrain from insulting your bearer. <coughs> I did think for a second there that you were actually not so much imitating whatever his name was, but Gambit from the X-Men. They're, they're not far away, I, I don't think. <laughs> no, that, that, old, that classic southern drawl there. <laughs> Indeed. That's certainly, that's certainly something. <clears throat> so, a uh, couple of things that we need to firstly get out of the way. A bit of housekeeping, although you'll all be very pleased to know it's not me, you know, letting loose the verbal flamethrower this time. No, nothing too untoward has happened, thankfully, in Frank's fandom recently. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> yeah, if you're hearing those coughs in the podcast, by the way, there's a very good reason for that. Um, Because of a variety of... Un- Unrelated coincidences, both in mine and Doc's lives this week. Uh, we are recording. <coughs> I'm in these pause. One sec. Do forgive us, gentlemen, <coughs> and others. Ugh. Fuck yeah! I will go in and edit that out. It won't be a problem. It'll take me two minutes. Anyway, so. However, because of the fact that me and Doc have had some unrelated personal things crop up this week, we've had a delay in recording. My personal thing was that I was drunk because I'm an irresponsible git. Uh, Doc's personal thing is his personal thing, so it's not my place to say. Uh, but suffice to say, we've been delayed, and therefore we're going to be putting out this podcast with very minimal editing. So if it sounds a bit rough compared to what it usually is, 
I do apologise. Things will hopefully return to normal as of next week. What are we dishing? Uh, thank you all very much for your Uncut, raw, uncensored. <laughs> the night hours. Man, it'll be on VHS next as well. Never mind DVD. We're going to go that old. See what the editing room doesn't want you to see. Not for kids. <laughs> well, it never was in the first place, you guys. Not with the amount I swear. I'm surprised I haven't put a swear jar next to my desk when I'm doing this. I mean, I'd be raking in the dough. Or rather, donating it somewhere else. But anyway, housekeeping. So there's a couple of things that we need to discuss. Now, Dali and the Franks was on hiatus for a week thanks to Japan's... Japan. Oh, I can't pronounce Japan right. Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, you know, I, I deserve it. I, I deserve that. I absolutely deserve that. Like, this is the, like, potato potato is a thing, but when you can't even pronounce Japan right, you you just need to give up. Uh, but I won't. I'm, I'm a stubborn git, so I'll start again. So Japan had Golden Week, of course, and Golden Week being national holiday meant there was no Darling in the Franks last week. What we got instead was a kind of behind-the-scenes uh, look at the show's production. Uh, when I say that, what I really mean to say, that contributes to about two minutes of that particular episode's time. And the rest of it was the various voice actors and actresses discussing, like, favourite moments from the show. Now, I'm going to hold my hands up here and say I did not watch 95% of that. You watched you watched now, five I don't more mean percent I d- than I did. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> but I, the reason for that is simply because... While I do think it would have been kind of funny to try and see Ikuno's voice actress try and describe what her favourite moment for a character was, given Ikuno was done somewhere between Jack and shit. That time I didn't have to come to work. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, the, the problem is that this kind of thing, to me, at least seems like it would be very sanitised. We're not going to hear, for example, for Toshi suggest maybe they might want to tone down the eating jokes a little bit. So I kind of zip past that. Although I will note, I did because there was no time code for this, have to watch, like, the last minute or so of Hero and Zero Two's voice actress discussing bits. And don't ask me why, because I certainly don't know, but for some reason the pair of them were sat in an open birdcage, a gigantic one. What? And I'm like, yeah, no, really, they were. Like, they must have hired a studio and put these props in there, these birdcages with, like, little benches in them, for each pair of um, actors and actresses to sit in just to discuss this stuff. And I thought, what the hell? Did, did they get this from, like, you know, the Dark Crystal? Like, did they get it from the warehouse where the props that were from? Or are we going to see, like, a really tiny, deformed, beak-like bird come past? What, what the get hell? In, I, get I in the birdcage. What? What are you talking about? It's my art. Just get in there. Right now. Oh, this is beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> so, that's the thing. Uh, but then we got to the last two or three minutes or so of the special episode. Now... I did watch this over a week and a half ago, and I'm very sorry to say, because I was in a rush getting home, I haven't unfortunately checked the lead um, show composer's name, I'm afraid. If Doc knows it, then now's an excellent time for him to pipe up and tell me, wink, wink. Um, I will say, not right offhand. Oh, well. Um, So he, he discussed, like, you know, what was happening now going forward, and there are a couple of points that were made that I found interesting. First off, this from episode 16 onwards, is now considered the show's second half. Now, I'm not necessarily for or against, you know, dividing a show down the middle if it's 24 episodes long, or even 12. You don't have to literally have the second half be a perfectly numerical half, you know, half of the total length. Um, But 
he did follow up with a comment that basically confirmed in full or in part a suspicion I've had for a very long time about this show. In that he said, um, this by the way is set against the technical um, side of the production where they were compiling audio against certain scenes of animation for 15. Uh, they said, now we're going to start the script writing for the final part of the show. While episode 15 was still being put together. So, I don't know, and I don't believe, mostly, that it is a week-on-week thing this is happening. But it has confirmed, by the you know, the show's own admission at this point, that it is being scripted somewhat on the fly. And this felt very illuminating to me. Because it makes sense now that that's been confirmed why certain character beats and plot lines are aborted after a single episode. Because if you haven't even written the end of the show yet, how can you push things further down the line? Although admittedly we have complained many times about Frank's kicking the can down the road, so to speak, so it somehow does that while not doing that. Magic, I swear, honestly. This is <laughs> this is screen rice this is screen writing sorcery. I think people that have watched up to this point know what we know what we mean. And in all honesty, it's it's not super surprising. I mean, for one, given the evidence of the show, you know that we've we've seen how the script writing goes, and honestly, it's not like super uncommon for anime to do this. I think it's far more the exception that an anime will have a robust and complete sort of script before they start really mm-hmm. going after the first episode. I, I think a lot of anime is yeah. kind of made uh you know, while it's airing. Yeah, sounds about right. I mean, I've recently finished watching the Ancient Mages' Bride, which is brilliant. Just throwing that out there. Uh do you wanna know what that had over Frank's? The fact that it came from a source material that was mm. already that far along. So that makes sense why there are plot lines in Ancient Mages that are you know, go on throughout the entirety of the show's run and are resolved quite a fair distance in, as opposed to the week-by-week approach of Frank's. So yeah, there's that. Look, but then you have stuff However, like, um, I'll bring it up so you won't get fined, Macross Frontier, which is an entirely original sort of, you know, anime production, not pulling off anything, yeah. not adapting anything, and uh, it did quite well. So it cl- clearly yeah. people can I'm sure that... write scripts, <laughs> and some people... Yeah, yeah a bit. and then the co-production element of all this probably makes it even harder. Yeah, uh, that I'm going to bring up in a moment, actually. And I'm sure that you know you at home could probably cite other examples of original, non-adapted anime that also, you know, were really good and had plot lines that ran throughout the entire show and character threads that ran also throughout the full Kato, length. The right answer that you know. <laughs> But but Doc, did we not agree that that wasn't anime? Oh, that's right, I forgot. We ru- we've ruled. Uh, we have uh, made a ruling uh, that it's not anime. So <laughs> uh, got you there. Oh, hoisted. Got you. Um, so there's that. And there's something else I need to bring up. Now I don't have a source of this information other than someone on Twitter, and that immediately should probably put you off even paying attention to this bit. But it would make sense. Mike, I heard basically that Frank's was originally scheduled to start airing episode one in April, which I believe is the spring season. Hi, but it was, but it got brought forward and started airing, of course, in January, the winter season. So three months, 
And I just thought to myself, why? <laughs> if, if you're doing a co-production and you're struggling to get everything done, the animation, the, the artwork, the music, and the writing on time, why would you do this to yourself? Well, it, what, what, well, what the hell's wrong so with you? So I, I joked to you, you know, sword art bullshit, but I, I suppose when you have to make that kind of decision, like if, if you have these two series, let's say, you know, who knows? I haven't done research. Maybe they had even more than that. But say you have two series, Anaplex does, you know, Sword Art and Franks, and they're both kind of not ready to go. Uh, maybe you want to protect your golden goose a little bit there and uh, <laughs> push the original IP out into out to sea. Ah. <sighs> I find that funny because my history and opinion of Sword Art Online is... Polished, oh, I, it's say. not good. <laughs> no. Um, but, but although apparently like from what it... I've heard, the new Sword Art is actually pretty decent, supposedly. I mean, I'll I never know. find out. But <laughs> no, Nor will I. No, I'm kidding. I'm being can... very harsh. I mean, who knows? Who, who can say? Who knows? Who can say? Um, but I also found out, this is by the way from Naked Apron who chimed him on Twitter when I found out about the revelations in the SP episode and then tweet about him, uh, shouts Naked, um, that it was Aniplex's decision to bring it forward as you've just alluded to there, Doc. And I'm not going to, you know, try and speculate about the decision-making process behind that. Maybe they have what to them feel like very legitimate mm -hmm. reasons. Um but the reason this is all relevant to what I've just said is that it kind of takes the edge off me criticizing Franks a little bit. Because art can sometimes come through adversity. I think that's very true. I mean, we talked about Berserk, which, you know, had a budget of maybe $10 at most if we were How being, dare you know, you? generous. <laughs> what, do you think it was more like 11 <laughs> or 12? Oh, wait, are we, oh, which, what, what, was, which was Berserk it? are we talking about? The 1997 okay. one, the one okay. that we like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh come on, like, you know, you know full <laughs> well that the Berserk of you know yesteryear, 2016, 2017, have a budget of ten cents. La it had a lavish budget, and it's just what <laughs> it's whatever they found behind the couch, right? You know, they were rooting down there for ages. Um, so it kind of takes the edge off me when it's criticized, Franks, because this is them, like you know, with their backs against the wall, and yeah, art for adversity, but sometimes adversity just makes you fall over. You know, it just ruins everything. And I will say again that I think that if that's the case, and they have had this, you know, oh, you're doing it three months early, a tough shit kind of thing pulled on them, it just makes me praise the good bits all the more they can pull them off, you know, despite this, you know, this deadline that they've got, you know, trying to keep up with this week on week. I mean, what I said before about Golden Week, I thought to myself after finding this out, you know what? Good for them. From why here, the animation industry is already pretty brutal on, you know, the people mm -hmm. who work there. You know, they're getting paid a living wage, long hours. So if they can at least have some time off from, you know, being put through what is the animation equivalents of game development crunch, then I'm totally okay with that. Good. Game development. I might not like a lot of Game us. development crunch only every day. Yeah, pretty much. Like, all the fucking time. So, you know what, right? Even if, for the people I've criticised... If they've got the chance to, you know, just relax for a little bit, mm -hmm. great. I'm glad that they got that. And I'm going to get to something in a moment that's also going to be relevant about, you know, health of a particular staff member on Franks that's also been revealed to me lately. That being said, I still think it's very fair and very reasonable to take Franks to task for a lot of what actually 
is in the show. Not so much maybe with, you know, the lack of ambition or, you know, the fact that plot lines are aborted after a single episode. That I can somewhat have the edge taken off and I can start pointing Aniplex for that instead rather than the guys creating the show because, you know, they're in a tough spot here. But there are certain other things that happen in the show that, to be quite frank, like, oh, regardless hey. if they're going you know, to... I've done that many <laughs> times. I've done that many times. Don't worry. Um, but to be quite honest, like there's, there's plenty of other things in the show that are risked in there as given that I don't care how long they had to do this in. It's still shit. I'm sorry, but, you know, whenever, you, whenever you've done exams, you know, you're under pressure then. Like, you don't get points, you know, awarded for effort if you still turn in a load of crap. <laughs> I mean, I've turned in some shitty exam papers in my time, and I certainly didn't get any leniency for that. I mean, the heteronormativity, they could have avoided that. There's certain, you know, confusing writing problems with this show. Gender character plot essentialism. Don't you mean communism? <clears throat> well, isn't that the new hot term these days? Gender communism? Is it really? So I'm, I'm... I've, I've heard that that's a thing. <laughs> I've which... not happened upon this. You'll yeah. have to enlighten me. Yeah. I mean, apparently a human being came up with that term and not a computer algorithm, when really it sounds like it would be the latter mm-hmm. to me, because the fuck does that even mean? But whatever. Um, so I still think there's a lot you can take the show to task for. By God, I certainly will as it goes on. But I have had my edges sanded off just a tiny bit as regards to how hard I'm going to go in on it. Because I think that in some way this show feels like it had everything working against it from the get-go. Especially of what I'm going to talk about now. So, Goro's voice actor, uh, whose name I will now pull up, if you just give me two seconds. This is the name I do have handy. Uh, I apologize to him and to everyone else who thinks of me as a dirty gaijin because I can't even pronounce Japan correctly. <laughs> so how the fuck am I going to get this right? But Yuichiro Umihara. Was that yeah. close? Yeah, no, that was, that was good. good. Yuichiro Umihara. Wow. If anything, that's more embarrassing because I got that right. <laughs> I couldn't say his, the English version of his country's name properly. Um, but yeah, Yu- Yuichiro Umihara, or Umihara-san, as I'll just refer to him for simplicity, uh, he's Daigo? our voice actor. <laughs> He's... <laughs> no, that would be great, though. That would be amazing. <laughs> awesome. Uh, but yeah, um, Umehara-san unfortunately has been hospitalized due to autoimmune disease. Mm. Now, I'm the, I'm no doctor. I mean, there's a doctor in my family. I am not that. Doc Hello. is not a doctor, despite the fact... <laughs> he's, he's more of a, you know, script doctor than anything else. But That does not mean I will write scripts. Wait. For opioids or television shows, I reckon you do a good job of it. But um, here's the thing, right? Whenever I hear the words autoimmune disease, that does not read anywhere near as you know nicely as say the common cold right. or influenza. Right. That sounds like bad. That sounds like bad shit, basically. And I'm sure that you know people who are more knowledgeable than I will be able to chime in on this and tell me exactly how bad that well, is. Well, it's hard to uh, say, right? But, I mean, they run the gamut uh, from, like, lupus to uh, lesser things that can, for instance, like, complicate pregnancy and otherwise affect you minimally. But I think it's probably, I mean, again, not a doctor, but uh, I do have someone... Uh, very close to me in my life that has an autoimmune disease and they can 
uh, affect your mood and your energy quite drastically when it's it's the sort of thing in my own personal life that uh like the, the when it comes to this person i'm talking about that it will flare up like it, there will be moments where it is particularly affecting and then there will be times when it's when it's not very much and when it is like mm. then the person is very very tired very very uh downcast like low energy so i can imagine it being quite difficult to work under conditions like that Mm -hmm. um i should add as well that this came by the way from anime news network uh this particular article um umahara san is on indefinite hiatus Mm. now how how long that ultimately will be is indefinite uh, by its very nature of course but here's the thing Bear in mind everything I just mentioned about the show's production. Now, I don't admittedly know exactly how far ahead they are in the scripting and production process of Frank's. Like, as it stands right now, they could very well have wrapped up the entire thing. Or maybe they're just finishing off episode 18. Sorry. There's no way. No. Um, It could run either way. But, if of course Umihara-san is in hospital, indefinitely, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that for whatever he's done, he's not going to be returning to Frank's before its conclusion. Now, I just googled, I went to the AANN article and googled the disease, uh, the acute uh, disseminated encephalo <laughs> encephalomyelitis, A-D-E-M. It says it's uh, according to the first thing that came up on Google. Uh, it's characterized by a brief but widespread attack of inflammation, so flare-up in the brain and spinal cord that damages myelin. Oh, Jesus. Uh, so it's a, you know, goes after your, the nervous system. Um, oh, that, no. that It often fuck. follows viral or bacterial infections. Um, whew. God. Poor, poor man. Yeah. Yeah. So before we go any further, I'll just say that while I, of course, highly doubt this will even reach uh, anyone involved with the production in the slightest, not even like by six degrees theory or anything like that, um, from us here at Worry Desha, we do hope that Umara-san does make a full recovery and a speedy one as well, mm-hmm. and that hopefully it has no lasting impacts. Because, like I said before, whatever I might say about this show, and if it's bad or not, I don't wish anything bad on the people in it. Mm-mm. Not like some people in the fan base previously. You're all still, you know, not off the hook for that dickhead. Just throwing that out there. But, um, yeah, I hope he makes a full recovery. Yes. And as regards yeah. to the show, though, like, this... I can't... I don't want to speculate how this is going to change things. Like, they will probably have to write Goro out. How they choose to do that, I don't know. And if they do it badly, I'm still just going to have to hold my hands up and say, I can't criticize this because this is the worst possible scenario they could have had. It wouldn't surprise me if like, they brought in a uh, a sound alike. Potentially, though, if that, that if that's a viable option for them to do on this short notice, and it works, that's fine. I we'll just have to see how it happens. But yeah, I thought it was worth mentioning just because it's going to have some effects, either if it's just as simple as a sound alike, as you say, or if it's a scripting change that results in Goro being written out, that's going to affect things going forward. And I am going to, if it is a scripting thing. 
bear that in mind with how that plays out because I don't think it would be fair for me to criticise saying, oh yeah, Goro just got snuffed out by being stood on by a Klaxosaur. <clears throat> if, given everything we've said about this show's production and then what's happened to Umihara, you know, that's not fair of me. I can't go in on that. Would be right. Yeah. So, yeah. That's all the housekeeping wanted to throw out for this particular week. And now we'll actually get on to talking about episode 16, which is the Days of Our Lives. What I an believe. unbelievable title. <laughs> well, uh, I know. <laughs> it really does have so much music for so I, I wish the though. OP was like the I don't want to wait for our lives to be over. Like the Dawson's Creek music. That would be amazing. <laughs> oh my, oh my god, that's actually kind of fitting for the subject. <laughs> oh shit. That, You're that so right. That can't be. <laughs> oh my god, is that intentional? That's amazing. Uh, god. Um, M- move on, move okay, on before okay, it goes okay. well, Before Before I uh, say anything else, I wanted to echo what you said and just verbalize to Umehara-san and uh, those, you know, close to him, um, be well, uh, uh, safe, and uh, and wish you a, a speedy recovery, wish you all the good things in the world. Oh, God, it's horrible. Uh, but we're going to try now to move forward and uh, laugh as we just did at things like the title of this episode. Um. Oh, there's plenty to laugh about. So, let's talk about, uh, very quickly, uh, the director of Days of Our Lives is uh, Yuki Ito. Uh, Ito-san is um, new to the series as an episode director. Uh, Has not worked on Frank's uh, that I can see up to this point. Um... Like so many others, uh, the longest line in Ito's CV is from the Idol Master, which is where the series director Nishigori comes from. Um, ah, that was the gentleman who um, was in the SP episode. Mm-hmm. He was the guy doing the script writing. I remember now. So, uh, and like several other folks that are associated with it and that have been episode directors, Ito has the most experience being a key animator. Excuse me. However, uh, Ito has done some episode directing and even been a series director a couple times. Uh, Was this, I think, last year? I want to say last year. Grambly Fantasy, the animation came out. And by the way, saying that name, that's one of those revealing words that reveals my southern heritage. When I, I think most people will say it pronounced Grand Blue differently, but Grand Blue Fantasy. <laughs> uh, the animation. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he directed that, right? Uh, as well as, of course, we got Idol Master here in the CV. He directed a season of Magical Girl Lyrical Nanoha, very popular uh, action y show. Um, and then was episode director on, he directed episode three of the original Sword Art Online, has Sound in the Sky credits, um, but mostly, uh, oh, by the way, fucking hell, this person did storyboard work and episode direction on Fractale, 
one of the shittiest anime that I've ever, like, it just made me so mad for many reasons. Uh, but no, they have a super duper long CV of in-between animation and key animation for all kinds of things. Wonderful things like Gate and Galilei Donna, which was entirely forgettable, was this Noe Tamina show, which was, like, I couldn't tell you even a little bit what happened in it, even though I watched the whole thing. Um, Entirely forgettable, you say? That sounds an awful lot like what we're going to talk about in just a moment, because, oh boy, do I have some things to say about, you know, the whole (laughs) passing of this this episode. Uh, And then, very quickly, the scriptwriter for this episode, according to Wikipedia, was one... Reno Yamazaki, welcome back. Third time's a charm. I believe. No, it isn't. <laughs> I believe that, um, like, the only person that has written more scripts is, uh, the, like, co head writer, uh, Naotaka Hayashi. So, Reno Yamazaki was the screenwriter for episodes seven and nine, and now 16. So, wait a minute. Hmm. Wait a minute. Conspiracy. 7 plus 9 equals 16. Holy shit. <laughs> the liberal government. And the gays. I I have nothing to say <laughs> so other than to actually start talking about Please the episode do. proper. So, days of our lives. I <laughs> straight fixed. I almost spit out my drink. So, you can't even say or hear that without <laughs> laughing. I know. So, the episode opens with Hero in a monologuing to us about the Beast Princess's story, and that's all I really want to say about it because we know. <laughs> we get it. In all caps in my like, notes, I have myth. That's it. Just the word myth. I, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm aware of this. I mean, oh, honestly, I have like, to tell you very quickly. <laughs> you're gonna think I'm bullshitting you, uh, but me. I kid you not. So it's a beautiful day outside today, like mid seventies or so. When I come into work in the morning, not a cloud in the sky. Currently, as I sit here and record with you, beautiful blue sky. A few like. Of those wispy clouds that look like pulled apart cotton. Very thin. Beautiful, beautiful. However, when I began to rewatch this episode of Frank's and throughout the rewatch, a gray storm rolled in and rained upon <laughs> us violently whilst I rewatched. But by the time I finished my rewatch and went to grab a beverage and came back, it had passed. So I do think that there is something in the cosmos that is out to get this anime. I I really do think you're right. I I I mean we've we've signed enough evidence now. I think this show is literally very much so. I mean, if Trigger and A One are doing a co-production, they had to share a building. That building was probably built (laughs) on an Indian burial ground or something. It really wouldn't surprise me. But yeah, get Kitaro up in there to banish. Whatever demons are out there. Perhaps Reagan, but he wouldn't do anything. He'd just throw salt and <laughs> charge the money. So maybe not Reagan. No, I reckon we, I reckon Reagan would be fine. I Ma- Mob do would if anything, you know, do it. Ray, Ray, Reagan, Reagan would solve the possession problem, but he would do a great job of telling them how to better do the show. <laughs> That's also fair, yes. So there you go. Uh, but yes, this opening scene, nothing noteworthy in it whatsoever. 
And at this point, I mean, between this and some other stuff later, if Frank's was a newspaper, it would be titled Yesterday's News. Like, I I get it. I get it. Like, yeah, it's the Beast Princess story where the ending of this scene is a mystery of Zero Two filing a horn sound. Now, this slightly confused me because I thought that Zero Two's horns were, like, the, the, sh- the size of them was tied into, you know, her humanity, like, you know, and whether or not she was giving into a Klaxos sign or not. Or maybe she has always filed them. Who knows? I think, bo- I think both are fine. True. You know, mm-hmm. that, like, if she's yeah. particularly feral and whatnot, they're gonna grow very quickly and burst into, you know, antlers. But otherwise, they might mm-hmm. uh, grow quite slowly, and she can, you know, file them down and uh, and the, the, this opening scene you're talking about actually kind of bookends with the final scene in the episode as well. Mm-hmm. More, yes, more it of does. the myth. Um, myth! Myth. Yay. Uh, new OP! But we do get... Yes, we do. We do get something new. This is a new OP, although it's also mostly just reused footage against a... Were you thinking now. the whole time of One-Winged uh, Angel? Because I fucking... Like, as soon as I, I saw that shot of her, like... Sitting down and then the one wing, I was like, Sephiroth! Da 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 da! <laughs> Sephiroth! You, you probably could set the one winged angel theme over this and it would fit perfectly da, with the pace da, of it. Sorry. But um, for me, for me though, um, having recently been to see Infinity War, Zero uh, Two fades away in bubbles, and I was just thinking, well, she just got raised by, erased by Thanos oh. in the Infinity Gauntlet, didn't she? Darling, I don't feel so good. <laughs> Gone. Um, one thing to note that is new in this OP, and when I say new, I'm not just talking about the, the colour scheme or anything else, is that there is a new character in it who we also meet at the end of this episode. And boy, oh boy, was I right about the Sarah Kerrigan comparison. It just turned out it wasn't Zero Two who was going to be the Sarah Kerrigan of this show. Because we literally have the Queen of Fucking Blades in this opening. Who'd have thought, hey? Oh, by the way, if you're expecting to find out anything substantive about who this new character is... Uh, nope. <laughs> I mean, you know what I said before about this show being, like, wrist on the fly? I get the impression that this new character, whoever the heck she is, probably didn't exist prior to, you oh know, God. the end of episode yeah. 15. They're like, I mean, we need to take a good hard look at this shit during Golden Week. <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah, it really wouldn't surprise me because here's the thing, right? This particular lady is, I'm going to guess, the Klaxosaur Queen. Yeah. After all, um, Zero Two is called the Klaxosaur Princess at one point. And of course, Beast Princess is something I've mentioned oh, before. So when, you, so when you have a princess, what does that imply? That there's obviously a, a queen or a king. The frog is here. Absolutely, it is. <laughs> no, am I wrong? Yes, you know he's the he's the frog, the frog prince, a, a slimy <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. People lick so, his back to get okay. High. The comparison, yep, that checks out. That scans. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um. So okay, Claxosaur Queen. But here's the thing: no hints of this prior to this no. at all. No suggestions that the Klaxosaurs have had any real purpose. They just attack because of magma energy being there, apparently. 
like no organization, no hints of anything other than they're just pests or wildlife or a force of nature. So to me, this smacks of, okay, we're going to crowbar this shit in at the last minute. Now, again, I'm going to stress, I think that's stupid, but I get it because it we're, you know, we're working under a tight schedule here. Although that all being said, though, as much as I did say this show has been kind of scripted on the fly, from the very first time we saw the OP in episode two, they were already hinting at, you know, Zero Two's past with the white tree, the nines being in there. So they had a certain amount of the skeleton already fir- firmed out. And this villain, this, you know, new enemy, whoever she is. Well, let's... Well, she let's wasn't... Be, they had some. They had some images. <laughs> I don't. Maybe they didn't even have a skeleton. They might have just had some character maybe, designs. Yeah, maybe. So the nine, <laughs> the, the nines weren't even the nines at that point. And yeah, Look at this you, pretty you could boy. Entirely, you could throw him in the OP. We'll use him somehow. You could, you could entirely be entirely right. Apart from that, there's not much really else to know about the OP. It's the same song. It's similar thematic. Whatever. It, it's fine. It looks nice. I suppose you could make something out about changing from red to blue because, you know, red blood, blue blood turning his clack stars. Maybe that's something. Hmm, that never even crossed my Who'd... mind. I just thought that they were all Possibly. drowning. Like us, yeah. the audience, trying to understand this. Um, so after the OP, we get to... The Robo Bishops. <sighs> Hello. Again. Let's talk it's... about these things we like... had planned all along. And let's... Oh, Let's fuck say things like, you know where. What oh! <laughs> Seriously, who writes like who? Right. Unbelievable. Right, wait. Unbelievable. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, before I get to that. Before, wait a minute. Before, before I you get, get to that. You know what you mean. <laughs> I hate you so fucking much right now. God. I'm clawing my hand and just driving it into my face. Because that's the kind of... Fa- I can't even do a proper face palm. I have to feel like I'm physically hurting myself from what you just said. Okay, but here's the thing, right? Does it not feel like we're just, like... Whenever they're scripting an episode now, they've got a Microsoft Word template set for how this goes. Like, narration over the start of vaguely mythological stuff. OP. Bishops in space. And then stuff. Because it feels like a repeat of, like, several episodes we've had previously in terms of its structure. And... It's just king. Like, I'm not even going to repeat the points I've said previously about this, although I will go in and say, okay, right. I complained about, you know, them throwing out terms that we didn't have an explanation for. Grand Crevasse, Ring Horny. <laughs> oh, by the way, we get a look at, we get a look at Ring Horny now it's being, under, being built. What is it? What does it look like? Fucks if I know. Honestly, the closest thing I could make out was it looked like the skeleton of the Ragnarok uh, spaceship from Final Fantasy VIII. That was the best thing I could come up with for what it looked like. Because otherwise, I could not tell you off a glance at it what it was meant to be or why. Because the bishop certainly ain't telling us. And then, as you have said, uh, one of them says, Excellent, I have already dispatched messages to you know where. (laughs) I mean, what are they doing? (laughs) <laughs> who who talks like that i mean they must <laughs> so <laughs> they just know they're on a reality show apparently it's like they they cut away to the room and it's like uh the bishop is like talking into the camera you know 
I was yeah. uh, making so, an alliance okay. with uh, the Cardinal, but I thought he would betray me, and I didn't want him to know what I was talking about. So, I, I mean, it's like they know they're... I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's shit. It's, it's bad really right, is what it is. <laughs> Here's the thing, right, folks. There's often a trope in delivering exposition, which is the as-you-know opener. Like, <laughs> as-you-know, we're going to... Do... Which is... Obviously, pretty bad. I mean, if you say, as you know, you don't need to tell Hello, Romulus, it's a contradiction. my brother. That was our mother. Exactly. As you know, we grew up so, in the same house and were quite competitive with one another. Sorry. It, no, you're exactly right. But here's the thing, right? That is over-explaining stuff. This, this unholy piece of shit right here is the exact opposite where we're not even going to give you a term for where they're going. I mean, I'd have still not liked it, but if they'd have just said, you know, we're going to some named place, like, call it Valhalla, whatever, I don't know, throw in a mythological term, I don't care. But if you give me something to look at and just say, okay, that's at least a name, that's fine. But this is just being needlessly obtuse because here's the thing, scripted week on week, you know where, is actually means... I don't fucking know, because they haven't got rounds of writing <laughs> There's, yet. like, situations where I feel like that's more appropriate to talk about, um... Like, I, I think... If, they're, if there's someone there in the groom who shouldn't <clears throat> yeah. know... Yeah, well, that, yes. and then... I mean, there could be a situation where characters, you know, like in Harry Potter, where they don't even want to, like, say the person's name because they're afraid, or... I've seen in a lot of anime, like, people talking to one another and referring to a person as that man. Uh, something like that. That was the villain of Guilty Gear, actually, funny enough. <laughs> <laughs> like, I suppose that that is, is you know, I, I'm not sure why it's more common in anime writing, but, but it is. And I'm generally okay with it, but yeah, this just felt egregious. Yeah, uh, followed by lines of, we no longer need two keys, and I'm like, two keys for what? Do you need two keys, you know, to open up the <laughs> nuclear bunker door? Do you need two keys to start your Prius? The fuck are you talking about? Shut up! We no Get off the screen! I fucking hate you! This is bollocks! This writing is shit! I don't care if they never had time to do it. What they're actually putting out there is fucking diarrhea. It's just absolute crap. We no longer need two keys for the pizzeria. Everyone has a master. Get rid of the other. <laughs> we we now have a fob. <laughs> and, in, and then he says, now, Klaxosaur Princess, what will you choose? The red pill oh, or the Jesus. blue pill? I hated that he called her that. I mean, even though, like, you were saying that in the context of the new character in the opening, which I didn't even see. Uh, you know, I saw her at the end. I didn't see her in the OP. Uh, well, like, it felt very strange. Uh, and maybe this is confirmation bias on my part, but it really did feel like, okay, here's another instance of they're just doing stuff on the fly. Because before, in earlier episodes, it really felt like that they spoke of Zero Two in a in like a very familiar sort of way. Like, she's our girl. Mm -hmm. And, and this, just, mm -hmm. this seemed like they were kind of othering her, that they were like, putting her at arm's length. It's like, you are this Klaxosaur princess. You are like this other thing. And, I, you know, perhaps if they had some more character development other than being talking heads that say it's bullshit, like, 
it would make sense as part of their characters but like i that's just a bad justification it 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 did not ring true to me this entire scene no no in fact i'm gonna ask you now doc now that we're at the two-thirds point of the show's (laughs) run have the robo bishops actually said anything of value throughout the entirety of this show thus far has any scene that they have been in been worthwhile to watch could you in theory have cut their scenes out entirely from this show and not you know lost anything of substance or value it's hard to say towards yes you could have done i mean they certainly everything that they've said has been underlined by stuff that happened in the plot itself but perhaps like perhaps the two needed to bust buttress each other for the point to hit home in the right way i don't know i don't know well the fact that i'm even asking that question i think is enough to make you think this is bad Mm -hmm. it's fucking bad they have less so, than sixty percent okay. of their parasites left. After and then no, maybe they have, maybe they have we s- shouldn't have destroyed the uh, plantations. Do you think we went too far? Nonsense! It's <laughs> just so annoying. <laughs> They've got. I don't see how having like sixty percent. That's not the end of the world. Yeah, you're over half strength. You're still good. Like you also have less plantations to defend. So, That's fuck true. It, I'm not even going to try and think, Millis military strategy here in this show fuck it it's pointless so moving on um so it has been one month since the battle of the grand crevasse plantation 13 is in absolute ruins somehow missileheim the the boarding house is still intact sort of have they ever called it that before this episode i can't i I can't either i was like oh they're they're naming it it's mistleton okay great what yeah. do you do? Yeah. Brilliant. Who ca- who cares? So what's happening now is that the kids have basically been told you're going to have to wait here for further orders. We'll para-drop in food and supplies for you, uh, but you're going nowhere. And this premise could, in theory, make for some really interesting and gripping drama because this is a survival situation now. You know, they, they've got to stick out for themselves, look out for themselves, say, you know, might be very tough for them to get by with limited supplies. I'm just going to say ahead of time that most of this episode, like, it just felt very bland. I mean, they get paradrops and food. Like, the one of the scenes we see shortly after this ending narration, which I think Futoshi delivers, is that Mitsuru and Hiro are testing the water and one of the supplies is turned mm-hmm. foul. But Hiro says, oh, it's okay, we can just filter it. Well, okay, fair enough then. That's not a problem anymore. This scene, I suppose, is meant to more set up, you know, that they're now talking to each other or something, which right. we'll get to in a bit. Um, but they're interrupted by Zero Two coming out to knock on a pan and say, you know, <laughs> dinner's ready. Hear ye, hear ye. All... <laughs> that that would have <laughs> been great if she had a bell. That would have been amazing. Now, food squeezed out of a tube is ready to be consumed. It's astronaut rations, basically, that they're on now. It really is. Um, So, time to address a small elephant in the room. Zero Two at this point has undergone a change. Now, not a physical change, but more of a character. She's like totally normal and stuff. Yes, she's mellowed out significantly. And she's also become a thermometer. Yeah, that's also true. 
Um, now, this isn't really so much a criticism as it is just an observation, but here's the thing. Like, Zero Two up until this point has been the easily the most interesting engaging character because she wasn't the same as the rest of the kids. She didn't fall in mm-hmm. line. And I get why she has now changed given the events of the previous episode. But now she doesn't feel like she has any distinct presence amongst the group. Apart from just how she looks visually. She's just there. Yeah. So... Your mileage is going to vary on this. I'm not particularly down with this, of her, you know, having her edges sanded off so severely. I get the idea behind it, but I think it's just something that I personally don't find that compelling anymore. Like, she's lost her, you know, unique status in the show and her unique way of doing things. Yeah, she um, doesn't have as much bite this episode, but... And, and it's, and that's it's a cute. thought. Wait, um, wait, that's a thought. Her teeth, did she ever get those sorted? Oh boy, I don't know. Uh, I'm unsure. I mean, the, the horns were filed mm-hmm. away. Uh, never mind, whatever, know. moving well, on. Yeah, maybe we'll find out or not. Uh, but I was just... <laughs> I get the feeling part of me does anyway. Or perhaps this is more hope than uh, an evidence-based observation, but uh, my feeling is that she is trying very hard and that something is going to very quickly prompt her uh, to be a little bit more the zero two that we've all come to know and love. Yeah, pretty much. So the kids sit down to eat with their, you know, space spaceman rations here, and conversation happens. Vitoshi, you know, says that after some discussion that he's now going to start dieting, and Zorame's very, you know, I don't buy this for a oh, moment. I mean. I'll be fair to Zorame. What have we seen? <laughs> what have, what have we what have we seen of Futoshi in the entire show apart from him groping after Kokoro, eating or talking about eating? So I'm incredulous as he was, to be honest. Um, but something yeah, different happened, hey, which will let's... be revealed later. <laughs> I would rather not have my friends say being a fatty suits you best. <laughs> yeah, that is a that is a that is a problem. Uh, that is a problem. I will concede. Thanks, jerk. It's also not. It's also not surprising. It comes from Zorame, to yeah, be honest. I, I mean, that's Zorame. Uh, anyway, uh, anyway, in some other mystical black dimension, it's it's a briefing room somewhere. But we don't <laughs> know if it's on thirteen or not. Uh, yeah. Like, Nana and Hachi, I don't think Hachi even has any lines this scene, which I did find quite funny, actually. He just is, like, (laughs) Like, looking ahead grimly. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. So, Dr. Werner Franks, in his Sunday vest, is telling Nana... Did you call me? I'm right here. You're just, uh, like, moving my claw hand up and down. Uh, That is all. I'm waiting uh, for further Mm -hmm. instructions. (laughs) Hello? But, but yes. Hello? Are you there? Did you call me? I'm I'm going to hang up the phone now. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Franks is on the phones on the well on the video phone, I suppose, Nana. And Franks is saying, right, under no circumstances are you to interfere with the kids while they're staying there on the Bruins of Plantation 13. And now it's like, no, no, but wait, with a bit of what, what, why, and a bit of etc., etc. And then Doggy Frank's Doggy just what? like, fuck this, and hangs up. Now, here's the thing, right, about this particular moment, and the, a big bugbear I have with this episode, and indeed, it's also a bugbear I've had with the show for a long time. 
we still don't have a clue what Franks is actually trying to accomplish. And bear in mind, of course, this, wherever the hell it is, the kids aren't present, so there's no danger of them finding out the race of Lee. So if there was ever a good time for the audience to be told why Franks is doing this, or at least even hint about it to give us some morsel of information, this would have been ideal. He doesn't. So the entire point of this episode is completely lost on me as a result. I'm sure that, you know, when we find out later, hindsight will clear that up. But for the majority of this episode, I was pretty much just completely uninterested in what was going on because I couldn't understand the grander picture of it. And if you think that's me being unfair again because, you know, it'll all become clear in time, we are 16 or 24 <laughs> episodes in. <laughs> People will be saying that to you after we review episode 23. <laughs> it's gonna yeah. all make give sense. Give it time, Shads. I promise. Yeah, give it time. And, like, what is he trying to accomplish? Because this wasn't a part of his plan, I should stress. Plantation 13, like, being dis- mostly destroyed and left as that ruin... He can't have known. No, that. and and if he Nana, did know that, Nana says as much. Like that, this wasn't like, you know, we, if we do this, we're going to throw away everything we've done up till now. It, it seemed to imply that like we were going for something entirely different. And Frank's is like so inflexible, you know. So he has some mm-hmm. like brand new idea, and it's something he wants to figure out uh, by uh, implementing this scenario of artificial scarcity. And kind of cutting them off from their handlers and their uh, cooks and their robots. So, I mean, I don't really know. I mean, who knows, right? I mean, I, I suppose maybe we'll find out, like, just what exactly he's trying to achieve. But, but yeah, I do think that this is uh, him pivoting, right? This is a variable. I, I don't think that, yeah, he, he basically says that this wasn't what he had in mind from the beginning, but... He still thinks it's valuable for some reason. Just like the rice of this show. <laughs> right. Sure. I mean, come on. It really does at this point feel like the whole making shit thing applies yeah. here. Yeah. Because, like, okay, fine. Moving on. So, brief scene between Hero and Gar as they check their food stores. Oh, by the way, if you're expecting any sort of scarcity or anything, like, you know, where they might run out, nah. No indication of that in this episode. And again, regular airdrops, so they're not in any real danger, I must stress, throughout most of this episode. If I, and No, in fact, all of it. I'd say yeah. back the most of it. There's no danger, period. I mean, this would be interesting if there was some tension behind it. And the only real drama that happens is towards the end when they have like a kind of rude awakening. But given their situation, you know, it's certainly not as bad as some other survival dramas that i've seen in anime or in visual novels for yeah that it doesn't become the lord of the fly situation that it, i guess in other writers hands it would but it's kind of it's kind uh, of it nice d- i guess to see them cooperating for once there, there is that but it just doesn't seem like it's in aid of anything though like great they're you know doing run-of-the-mill stuff well i so in my opinion these kinds of episodes if they are earned can be incredibly rewarding to the to the viewer. Oh yeah, I, but I like, agree. I don't. I don't I think agree. that the show has earned this sort of thing. I don't. I, I don't think it serves the show at this point to have like quiet reflection and get to know the characters a little bit and have character moments to get like. I feel like we need to get on with it and figure that, some shit yeah, out, especially this yeah. close to the end. I mean. 
I will I will agree that there should probably be a bit of downtime after episode 15 because that was all battle all chaos and you know it's that classic you know dramatic arc of up down up down up down up down if you've ever seen the you know the Star Wars New Hope graph like you know which plots the events of that film against the you know the arc of tension and drama that kind of thing I get that but what actually happens in this episode doesn't teach as much of anything I'm very sorry to say like things happen Sure, like, there's a thing that I'm about to discuss between Coker and Meatstory, which you called out a long time ago. Um, does that mean anything, though? Not to me. It doesn't, it doesn't reveal much or change the characters in any substantive way. So, I'm the, I don't I'm the care. prediction doctor. That's why they call me a doctor. I mean, I can guess what's going... <laughs> I feel like I can guess what's going behind the scenes of the show, but you're the one who makes the good guesses about the actual content. Only because so, I've seen okay. hundreds of anime sadly <laughs> you see the see the patterns <laughs> yes. so anyway after you know hero stacks up a load of clear soup cans i'm actually looking at the frame <laughs> that's what it's called clear soup clear soup really i'm looking at the frame right now and he just says just clear water. soup <laughs> it's not really soup Maybe they really are. Maybe they really are in bad straits <laughs> if that's the food they get ships out and then toothpaste uh, and crackers. Yeah. Gruel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or maybe maybe like maybe like nutrient pills mm-hmm. or something. Who who could say? But anyway, we cut to the greenhouse. And who is in the greenhouse but Always. of course Mitsu and Kokoro. Now, this scene serves two purposes. Or three rather. One, Mitsu gets a haircut. Fine. Makes it look like you know he's not like got you know a dollop of choc- uh, chocolate flavored ice cream on his head anymore. <laughs> the the, the a soft bit goofy, serve gel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his, his haircut was a bit goofy. Uh, two, Mitsuru and Kokoro kiss Woo! at the end, or rather, Kokoro kisses him first, and then she like pulls away. Like, I didn't. She gets embarrassed. Fine, you know, mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, whatever will come of this will come of it at this point. I can imagine that poor Fitoshi, if he found out, would probably have, you know, like, uh, cry himself to sleep with... You know, well, he'd be in, he'd be in bed with Dochan. He'd be fine. <laughs> the loaf of bread. Got, he's got his... <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, he's got his girlfriend. Yeah, well, he's... he's got, no, he's, he's probably foregone that. And he's, you know, he's sick. He can't think about oh, anything. Oh, no! <laughs> oh! I don't want to think about it now, actually. He devoured Dochan. <laughs> and How then, dare you? And... <laughs> Uh, Why do I hurt the things I love? Don't the name of Dochan. Uh, um, so there's that. And free. And this is the most contentious thing of all. For me, at least, anyway. The lines here don't outright state it, but it is 99% confirmed here that Mitsuru does now know what happened with Hero's memory being scrambled. That it wasn't his fault. In fact, that's pretty much the line he says when I he's discussing he's, this. He's probably, Kokoro. like you have pointed out in the past, he's he probably knew it back then, but he just doesn't know how to kind of deal with his feelings. But he's he's processing it and he's dealing with it. And that's part of what the haircut represents is him letting this shit go, I feel. That's a ver- I didn't think of that. That's entirely valid. That's fair. Blows I'm- away like so much soft serve gelled hair <laughs> yeah i think i think that there's I'm... that like him him kind of turning the page uh him moving forward with kokoro and also i think this scene like one of the persistent 
things about this episode is there's a lot of physical intimacy. And I, fir- I first yes, noticed it with the 0-2 as thermometer on Ikuno's forehead. Uh, there's this haircut scene, which Mitsuru is very vulnerable. You know, that's part of why he opens up. Uh, and they're standing together. Has Kokorifa... Has Coco ever cut anyone's hair before, though? She actually does a decent job. I've not of it. seen. Yeah, I'm surprised it looked like me. Yeah, I know. I've not seen it. I'm surprised she ended up looking like a mountain, like Ebi mauled by a mountain <laughs> lion. But, hey, the bathing scene between the girls washing each other's hair. Oh, that that I found that scene hilarious. I, yeah. and then there's you know, I I'll tell you why that's so isolated. There's but, yeah. cuddling between Hero and Zero Two. So there's a lot of there's a lot of that. There's Zoramae crying. Uh, while he's grabbing Futoshi. So there's a lot of touching, a lot of, yeah, the characters sharing these intimate moments of touch with each other, which mm. was, is nice, but again, mm. like, I wish I gave more of a fuck about these characters. I don't hate them all, but, like, yeah. I just... I've been I've been burned a lot of times by the show, so it's really hard to muster up the emotional wherewithal to really get invested. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, Dot, right? I absolutely agree with your line of thinking there on probably why this is the way it is, that he's just kind of intoned it. But that is lame as fuck for a, for a dramatic situ- like dramatic writing. I mean, we're eight episodes from the end here, and I think you predict this, and I'm predicting it as well. <laughs> 20 pounds. That the only time that Hero and Mitsuru are going to hash this stuff out, finally, where maybe Mitsuru will forgive him, it's probably while he's losing his fifth pint of blood after, you know, Janista gets blown to mm-hmm. pieces. And I'm I'm sorry, but that's crap. Like, I would care more about these characters if they had these dramatic scenes and they actually had proper full-throated and discussions. someone's gonna make a YouTube video of, like, the five, you know, of this scene, of that ending scene that we're hypothesizing, of... Mitsuru in the hospital bed in episode three and do this YouTube video about the amazing relationship between Hiro and Mitsuru. The multifaceted, complex, you know, character dynamics. And it's like, God, no, <laughs> no. Oh, it just makes me so mad. I can see it. I can see the anitube. Yeah. yeah. Like, like I say, I think your explanation is very sound. I'm, just unfortunately very ha- unhappy to say that it still leaves it to be well, yeah. because they could have done so much it's more really with not... it. It's really not... They could have done... S- Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. They could have done so much more with totally. it. Totally. It's not sad. I feel like it, it's very unsatisfying if it ended this way. And the way it's played out, like... Again, if you wrote down an outline, you'd be like, yes, yes, but like... Man, I just, there could have been so much more meat on those bones. Yeah, pretty much. So, after that scene, brief chat between Hero and Zero Two, in which Hero says, oh, your hair is like the colour of Sakura Buds, and that's kind of that. He tries to reach for a hand, but then, like, is interrupted, and then there's the bathing scene. Now, do you want to know what I found really funny about this? What's that? The girls, the girls that are in the, the water and are not either A, half-dressed, or B, Rest Against Rocks, are all the ones with long hair, long enough to cover up their boobs. Yep. It's like the writers knew as they were storyboarding this. Like, we can't get away with having Ichigo in the middle of the, you know, this translucent pond. Because obviously, you know, you get the full view then and we can't there's have no, that. Um, and there's I just no thought, fog. This, so. No. And naturally, of course, when 
um, Miku and Zero Two are frolicking. Does their hair ever, you know, fly out of the way so we can see anything? No. No. Now, that's not me complaining. That's not the case, because to be quite honest, I don't care for that shit in this kind of show, like, or anything really like that. But it just seemed funny to me. Like, what, did they... Did they have double-sided sticky tape to keep it in place? <laughs> Fucks if I know. So what is the point of this bathing scene, you might ask, apart from, you know, the fan service? Oh, by the way, uh, I was originally said way back when that Franks was getting away with not doing fan service on its characters. Well, so much for that. <laughs> so that, that varies out the window. Well, this wasn't... Uh, it was doing well, actually. You know, I, I don't think that this was that problematic. Because... Camera wise, no, I because it didn't seem like the camera or, or like the boys were, you know, being leery or uh, objectifying them or trying to do anything no, yeah, creepy. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, it the, the camera wasn't really a thing this time around. In fact, I don't recall noticing any real directional touches in this episode. I know. So. Yeah, it was like super straightforward. Then again, didn't you say like that this guy had like animated one of the most terrible episodes of this particular show that oh you recalled? Well, I mean, I just know you worked so, on yeah, Fractal, probably... which like, God, Fractal. The less I have to think about yeah. Fractal, the better. Mm-hmm. So after frolicking a bit, um, like Miku was washing Zero Two's hair, and so Zero Two in turn tries to wash her hair, and in pulling the scalp apart. Not literally by her, she's not scalping or eating her alive or anything, although that would be quite funny. <laughs> um, Zero Two notices something, and that is girl gone grey. She's got grey hairs in her hair now. And this ties into something that you noted about Squad 26 having grey hair. I mean, it so, was, yeah. Like, it was super duper, I guess, obvious. Yeah. The various characters in this episode are noticed having a fever, by the way. Right, the child and fever, which they've mentioned before, um, talking about have. Hero, but that like they Mitsuru. were, they misdiagnosed No, that was, oh, that was, oh, that yeah, was yeah, Mitsuru. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Although, the thing about them saying about the child fever with Mitsuru is that I can place out just him being generally sick and mm-hmm. weak, because he is. Right. So, whatever. Um, but anyway, so yeah. girls And this is not the blah, child blah, blah, fever, blah. they're misdiagnosing here as well, I think. Who knows? Um, so they have a discussion back at the house, like you know, we're running out of power. I h- how this even power still going there is beyond me. I mean, they have a sign saying "Save Electricity." I'm just thinking to myself, <laughs> like, ha- ha- like this is the future. <laughs> if you've got power going here, it's probably good for the time being. And they it's don't not know like, you know, you're <laughs> just dumb kids. No. They also um, have the Wheel of Chores, which made me happy. <laughs> uh, the Wheel of Misfortune. Spit the Wheel of Chores! But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so they're having a discussion about various things, like, you know, the water source is going foul. Can I just say, by the way, I did find it, I just found it really funny that they have discussion about the water source is going foul immediately after the bathing scene. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> so what, did they bathing in there ruin it? <laughs> Didn't they have that discussion at the beginning of the episode about the water? Well, they did, but they actually mark it off on a map, uh, like after immediately afterwards, which is <laughs> well, that's contaminated oh, with head and oh, shoulders. No. We can't drink from that anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's yeah. a thought. Actually, they they say later they're going to go fishing, but obviously, if they've you know clogged up with microbeads or whatever, then oh fuck, <laughs> yeah, they're not doing a very good job. 
Uh, by the way, one thing I did find funny as well. Uh, the kids know, oh yeah, the elevator's restricted. And I'm like, well, wouldn't it be a shame if someone had an S-rank pass that could go wherever they wanted? <laughs> Do they talk about the elevator? I missed that. Yeah, it's, it's mm, a one-line okay. thing. But I, I noted that because I just thought, well, someone has a pass that can yeah. come out of here. I mean, okay, minor. The, my wanted to just write a quick line of zero to say, I've had my access revokes. Then again, that would also mean that they never revokes for access. Fuck it. Whatever. So, that's that. And they decide, okay, we're going to now learn to be self-sufficient. I'm going to cook, create fires. I'm going to go fishing, do all the good stuff. And so we get a montage of them doing that. Have they never made fire before? No. They did seem quite fascinated by Probably... it. Probably not, to be honest. I mean, I mean, I'm still stunned that Kokoro could even, like, you know, cut hair. But hey, there we are. Prometheus. And in between this, we get each go. <laughs> Zorume, here's the flame. <laughs> oh, you dropped the flame, and now it's out. Well, that's your one chance. Bye. You, Futoshi, um, stop throwing random shit in the flame just to see it burn. <laughs> I'd do that to a DVD of this show. <laughs> um, but anyway, while this is happening, uh, Ichigo narrates her own inner monologue with a little bit of a flashback. <laughs> and she says a line that... I, it was it just felt like an admission on part of the writers that they're never going to actually properly address this. But she says, this is regarding Hero and Zero 2, we may never truly understand what yeah, happens Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I will say nothing more sex. I think it speaks volumes by itself. I don't feel I need to explain any of it. I, I, it made me mad enough. Just the no. pendulum swinging Fuck this show. back the other way Fuck again the very quickly. Lack of ambition. Yeah. Oh man. I I that I had such high hopes for their their character conflict and it turned out to be just like so nothing. So, after that whole nonsense in which the show basically cops out and says, oh no, we're never going to address this. It's it's never going to be a thing. What, you actually want real drama? You want character interaction? Nah, fuck you. You ain't getting that. Kiss my ass. That's what the show thinks as far as it's concerned. Um, So we now have a montage of the kids deciding, okay, let's be self-sufficient. Let's actually, you know, we've got a library here. We can learn and read, like, how to cook and how to do survival stuff. Of all the plot points I ever thought would never come back, um, I can't believe, for example, that Zero Two, like, when she caught the fish in the very first episode, like, she's the one who catches the most <laughs> this time around. That's right. Like, that's that's the weirdest fucking callback <laughs> ever. But, hey, fair enough. Hero like, caught Zero. No, he caught Zero Two, though. No, he got the best yeah, catch of yeah, all. yeah, yeah, hey. Not des- not deserving of in the slightest, mind you. But hey, there we go. So Some they all, of have course, all come together. Well, if you're the protagonist in a show that's written like this, it's not no luck involved. It's true. <laughs> it's, it's destiny. So yes, uh, the kids, you know, they come up with a meal for themselves. They like bake some bread, fish, and all that. You know, no, no. There's no like you know scarcity or anything. It's just, hey, we've done all right. So, like, so, uh, interesting tidbit here, I thought, was when Zorume says, hey, let's not pray, since we we did this. 
we don't have to thank Papa or wish him well because he didn't send us the food. He's not going to clean this up. He didn't prepare it or his people didn't. Like we did all this. And that was kind of interesting, I suppose. Yeah, that... Whether or not anything will be made of it, I, yeah. Why, I don't. They, I mean, oh, it could have been. What could have been, right? <laughs> I mean, here's the thing, right? Thinking about it, this show is 24 episodes long. And we have eight left. Up until this point, I thought to myself, "Oh, this time," but now it doesn't feel like there is, mm-hmm. even though there's not anything immediately happening right now. So I don't know unless they decide to go for a season two, and oh, no, just fucking hell, please no. Please end it. Ahead of time, folks, if there is a season two of Darling and Friends, we are not covering it. We are not doing I it. I can't. No. I just can't. I can't. I can't. No. I cannot. No. This, this, no. We're committed because we're, you know, masochists and like to harm ourselves in this way. <sighs> As, but we have, to, we have to shift gears <laughs> if this is going to no. continue. <laughs> we have to do something good. I mean, can you believe it? You and me, Doc, could have been talking... Really, Please don't. <laughs> don't no, no, I was going to say, we could have been talking, although I don't know how we'd have done it because it's not a weekly thing, but we could have been talking about Violet Evergarden. See, I'm I'm totally up for um doing like a Netflix thing. You know, here we go, by the way, having a show meeting in the middle of the show, but that's how we do it on Watery Dish Show. Yeah, no, I'm entirely on board with that. Um. Uh, doing episodic or perhaps chunks of episodes of a netflix thing that has come out i'm all up for that stay tuned loyal listeners <laughs> uh, we've been requested to do a land of the lustrous episode by the way in the uh in the old itunes machine i looked up by a, a fellow called brain bixer on the first of may left us a review it says it's good they've got a nice dynamic and banter that makes it interesting. If you're reading this, that's you and I, Shadon. A few things. Since you like Land of the Lustrous, you should do a podcast about it. Also, Shh, I'm gained eventually. Also, most fans call the techno cancer Dino AIDS. <laughs> that's highly offensive to dinosaurs, so I won't be uh, engaging in that. But I, it's it's creative. <laughs> it's quite creative. Um, thank you, uh, Brain Bixer, for that. I <laughs> moving, moving on, <laughs> moving swiftly on. So, so yes, the kids do have a meal, and indeed, Sara Maze says, "Nah, fuck the prayer." Like, man, uh, you know what? I made this shit. This is on me. And then something happens, which is that Fitoshi doesn't eat. Da da da. Metal yeah, Gear Solid know, right? exclamation point. I know, right? That's like having a brand new puppy not shit on your rug. It just doesn't happen. But yes, Fitoshi decides, I'm not going to eat. And Zarmay's like, why are you not eating? And this, you know, eventually spirals out of control until some of the food is spilt on the, on the ground because they're eating outside. And it turns out that Fitoshi has been throwing up his food. Yeah. And, and the food spilled hit- because he's too weak to hold the plate. So he, mm-hmm. he dropped the uh, the dish with the fish. <laughs> what was that? A cat in the hat line right <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah. Oh man, what a thing that would have been if they served green eggs and ham to each other. <laughs> um, 
Okay, so here's the thing, right? When I initially watched this episode, I legitimately thought, and I'm, I'm confessing here that I'm very well probably 99% wrong on this, but I just wanted to just, you know, be honest with how sure. I approach this. Uh, I thought that Fitoshi had bulimia nervosa, which is just, you know, also known as bulimia, which is forcing yourself to throw up after eating, uh, purging they call it, um, often as a method of weight loss, because he did mention earlier in the episode that he was dieting. Zorame also thought this. Yeah. Now, Doc's explanation he's given to me, in fact, I'll let you explain it to the audience, Doc, how you interpret it, which I think is better for a variety of reasons. Yeah, oh, yes. Uh, And this is not me saying, ha-ha, like, I have the right answer. Like, this is how I, like, saw it and thought it was communicated, but I totally understand. Like, we've talked about the show's kind of struggles really getting ideas across you know see the mitsuru and hero interpersonal drama but Mm -hmm. but this is like i read it as uh you know him being sick he's got uh some sort of illness you know he starts to try to eat the fish again he says like i can do it watch me and then he you know throws it up and it has to do, I think, with the fact that uh, they are, their life force is being used up, right? The same reason that Miku is getting gray hair is that they're mm-hmm. coming to the end of their, the flowers are coming to the end of their very, very short lifespan. The bloom is, is coming off of these roses and uh, that is causing him to lose his appetite. And when he said he was dieting, that was kind of his way of of masking this he's he's had it you know for for a little bit but he is trying to cover up and zorame calls him on it says stop trying to cover up i know what you're doing but in fact he only kind of partly knows right he knows that there is throwing up happening but it's not voluntary and afterwards mm-hmm. the crew kind of gets together and is honest with each other and it's like yeah man we yeah. saw it coming because we saw Squad 26, sidebar, we'll talk about that uh, in a minute. We just put it to one side. And, you know, this is like, we knew it would happen, but we just didn't want to talk about it. They were all afraid of it. Their own mm-hmm. more impending mortality. Uh, and, yeah. and so this is what I think is happening more so than, like, than him um, being bulimic. Yeah. Here's the thing from my perspective, folks. I am, you know what Doc said about, you know, right answers and all that. Like, I can't speak, of course, for the show's creators, but I absolutely want it to be the case that Doc is spot on with his assessment here. Here's the reason why I say this. Generally speaking, in my opinion, when you deal with certain real-life issues, that's a lot of real-life issues, in a work of fiction, you need to give them the amount of time that they need to properly be explored. There's a show that has recently come out, a very good show as a matter of fact, that has done this even though it didn't need to, which was Megalobox. Its most recent episode, episode 5, dealt with veterans' issues in PTSD mm. for a, you know, a soldier coming back from a war. And that's a boxing show in which they punch each other with, you know, exoskeletons. Man, so, so it... I haven't seen the, the latest couple of episodes of that show, but I'm like, I... Man, it makes me feel like, okay, my internal anime radar and instincts are honed properly because from the first episode, like, 
uh, you know, a lot of people like pointed out the influences that the show has to older shows and, and rightly so, but I didn't really see anyone talking about armor trooper Votoms and the show really, really like reminded me of that show in a lot of ways. And the fact that it is doing that, like, is I think a even clearer indication that one of its inspirations is in fact Votoms. Yeah. So with Megalobox doing that, in that, without spoiling for Doc's sake and of course for the audience, for your sake as well, um, you at home, in case you haven't seen it, because you really should watch Megalobox, by the way. It's, it's fucking really good. good. Yeah. It's only got better as well as time has got along. Mm-hmm. Like every episode seems better than the last. But anyway, without spoiling, what Megalobox does is firstly, the whole inclusion of the veterans' issues and PTSD was not necessary narratively to accomplish what it needed to do in that episode. But it included it, and it gave it the entirety of the episode to breathe and properly be explored and to have it, you know, really affect you as a viewer and get you on board with that character's plight. So, while it wasn't needed to accomplish what the story required, its inclusion was welcome because it was done properly and treated well. Now, I'm going to say ahead of this point now is that this, of course, if Doc is right, is not the case with Franks because it's obviously not about Bolivia. But that's why I'm glad it isn't. At least I hope it isn't. I mean, because I don't trust this show to cover that yes, topic adequately. Yes, I, and I don't think it, is, it could treat the matter of like dental hygiene well, let alone sensitive issues. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> N- never, never mind that. If that is the case, it's bulimia. Its only purpose narratively here is to have it shatter the illusion that you know their, you know, situation can't stay as is. My initial reading was it wasn't necessarily about their lies, but more that they just couldn't keep living the way they were. They would, you know, run out of food. Like, the, the world around them would decay. Like, you know, the, the environment would decline. That's the way I initially read it. Now, again, I want Docs to be right. Because I think that it would be better for the show overall if that were the case. That being said, Doc did say something about a sidebar Return. in the discussion. <laughs> yeah, footnote. Yeah. So, here's the thing. Way back in episode 6... I think it might have even been episode 5, actually, come to think of it. It was one of the much earlier ones, when we first got introduced to Squad 26. Mm-hmm. Um, Zara May states... The halcyon days of this show. We all had such hope. <laughs> I wouldn't. I had no hope at that point, anyway. Episode 5 was great! Of, we loved actually, it! Actually, you're right, yeah. It, it had kind of brought me back yeah. around. Yeah, you're, you're right, you're right. But um, way back when, right, Zara May said, while the sick 26 kids were there, I can't wait to be an adult. It's going to be amazing. And they're all like, Bleh? oh, he doesn't know, does he? He doesn't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> and here's the thing, right? At no point to my memory in this show has it ever been communicated to either the audience or the kids that they specifically have a limited lifespan. I, If they were an exception, I mean, they're already an exceptional group by the show's own design and admission. So if it turned out they had a regular lifespan behind them, that would, you know, I would buy that. But I haven't seen any hints prior to this point with with Mika's grey hair and such that they are any different. Yeah. Like, having a fever, like, I'm sorry to say, but having a fever does not immediately mean that, you know, you're going to die within a month. <laughs> and it, it could really, just literally be a fever. It really matters in a show like this when it's been explicitly stated that there's all these things that the characters don't know. There's this mystery you know, all this information is being withheld from them. So it's really important that I think if they know this shit, we know that they know it. 
Mm-hmm. But we don't know that. I really don't no. think it's been like you said. I mean, they couldn't have seen uh, in this last episode those the kids with the full head of gray hair in the cockpits. You know, they're they they're not privy to that info. I don't think that they're that it showed a link like a visual link. Even though you, I think you can establish one, like we don't see that happen. Um, mm-hmm. We we exactly. do. They, they saw them with injuries, so perhaps you could say, well, like they saw that they were old and frail as kids, but like those could have just been battle injuries. There's nothing yeah, exactly. explicitly linking that to like them being older, like old children. Yeah, you know. In in fact, the dialogue in this scene when they discuss it, I think it's Futoshi saying like, "I saw that happen to the Plantation Twenty Six kids and i didn't want to end up like them his secret off-screen camera fee (laughs) exactly because what they see happens to the 26 kids is that they blow themselves up it's not that they die from old age so my reading of that scene was that they became a little bit more aware of their own mortality not that they were aware of the fact that they had you know the blade runner replicant you know limited lifespan Mm -hmm. in them and that also tied into my interpretation of it being bulimia rather than him being, you know, sick because he's, his body is just giving out. Like, you know, maybe his kidneys are failing, perhaps, or his liver, or his digestive tracts. It, it would just be so, weird if they talked about that kind of mortality, being afraid of it, or, or it being like an open secret. I mean, because Zero Two and everyone talked about, like, you could die any day in battle. We all know it. I mean, they've already broached this topic. But they're sitting they around have. explicitly saying that this is a fear that they all had that they didn't want to talk about. Like, it's a, it's yeah. a new thing. Yeah, so in a nutshell, this writing is really sloppy <sighs> because it, it's confusing. I, that's the thing that bothers me now as we get towards the end game. Frank's like, what was happening earlier? I, I mean, apart from it being obtuse, I at least understood what was going on. But characters are saying stuff now that doesn't... Like it doesn't seem to make sense one way or the other. Like, how do they know? When it? did they become like? What? How do they know? Did yeah. just, someone needs to have a chart, like a Venn diagram, right? Of the banks of knowledge, and like move the ideas around to indicate like who knows what. Because I think people are losing track of that. Yeah, I mean, I'll just say up front here, folks. If you have actually, if we've missed something out from watching this show, maybe I've seen too much of the red mist, and I've not, you know, caught particular details feel free to chime in and tell us where we've missed please it. tweet and i and, I, and, and I'll, I'll yeah i'll then happily go back and re-watch the episode or the scene you cite mm-hmm. and i'll see if it tallies up maybe you know again you took a different reading of it i mean christ me and doc have took different readings about fitoshi's illness although that again would help if it was a bit more concrete i mean ambiguity is fine sometimes but there are other cases when it's not particularly welcome and one thing I'll say as well, because I, again, I really like to dump on Franks by comparing it to their shows. I just finished watching a show that was about a kid who was about their age, who was very aware of her own mortality and how that faxed into her worldview and also her life going forward. What was that show again? It's, mm. uh, you know what? Oh, fuck you! I'm, I'm just, just that was reflexive. That was like that was like having a spasm in my hand. Then when I said that, I'm sorry. But uh, no, the show, of course, is the Ancient Mages is bright. And do you want to know why I thought that show? I thought it was absolutely fucking brilliant. We could have been because... talking about that. <laughs> Don't say oh, that. So good. Jeez. That show was so good. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, it didn't pussyfoot around this. You know, you could memento mori thing. Remember, you will die. 
it addressed it head on from practically the first or second episode and then had it be a theme throughout with all of its various characters that Chisei meets. In Franks, I don't know if they mean that they're fearing they're going to die in a minute because they might be going into battle because they, or if it's because they know they've got a limited lifespan. I don't even know if Itoshi genuinely is, you know, sick and dying because he's just wearing himself out, or if it is because he's bulimic, or maybe he's got a stomach bug. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he the drank the bad water. <laughs> it, it, yes, maybe he. May, yeah, exactly. Maybe he's got food poisoning. I, I don't know. And this is the thing about Frank's in a nutshell. Like as we said before. All of the cards are in place here for there to be good drama if it actually, you know, decides to do that. But this show, if it were playing a poker game, it's holding a bluff until the very end when it's got nothing to show for it. Like, all the cards are just random. There's no royal flush in there, despite any pretension to the contrary that it might have. So You can have the best Legos in the world and build a piece of garbage. You can build a giant cock. <laughs> you, that you yeah, can. sure. Let, send us Im- yeah. your images of Lego Cox. I'm sure they are <laughs> at Shadon Ten Ten. Fine by me. Send send me all of your Lego dicks. All right, you want to talk about the uh, final scene? Uh, we'll get signed a moment. Okay. Um, so yes, the kids do eventually have a talk about this. You know, they're all a bit upset. Oh, but by they the decide, way, you know what? Oh, we forgot to mention Nana's headache. What I didn't even remember that. That passed me by. So when they were talking with the good doctor, uh, you know, and he's saying, stop being inflexible. And then they hang, they, they get off the phone and they're going to proceed with the experiment. And she's like, honestly, he's so stubborn sometimes. And then, like, she gets what appears to be, like, a really sharp kind of acute headache. She kind of grabs her temple and closes one eye. And, oh yeah, so, you know, I remember this. Now. Stumbles forward a little bit. Uh, so, and he said right before he hung up with her, "Is like you've been through this too." And I don't think that she knew entirely what he meant. So, more mystery. Wait, now I can unravel the mystery for you right now from the pieces you've given me. She was uh, a Frank's pilot and had her memory scrambled after hitting a certain age, and then stopped mm. being a Frank's pilot. Well, wait a minute. Don't they die? I think that they got old and died. Well, this is again the whole point <laughs> of it being con- consistent, Doc. So She's... No, Nana's the queen. <laughs> She's the, the Clysosaur queen. Anything's possible. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing is off the table. I love it. Nana, uh, Nana could end... It could happen that Nana could end the war with the Clysosaurs by singing like Lin Min Mei from oh my Care. God. It really could happen. I want to see that. Uh, okay. But yes, the kids, like, you know, they, they all, like, you know, say, we're going to live our lives the best we can. We enjoy, you know, we're all happy and laughing and all that. Hero pulls and... out an acoustic guitar. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, a, harmoni- a harmonica. <laughs> that would be perfect. Campfire. <laughs> that would be perfect. And um, speaking of Hero, he and Zero Two are now sleeping in the same room. Whether or not they're sleeping together is a different matter. Don't care. Who gives a shit? Um, but they have a discussion, like, you know, about what's going to happen going forward and that they'll be together forever. Uh, Zero Two has been recreating the picture book from her memory, and by God, her memory is photographic. Mm-hmm. 
But then again, Zero Sue's good at everything she does, so this is not surprising. Yeah, she's painting. That's neat. Mm-hmm. Um, but as Zero Sue, you know, falls asleep in Hero's arms, there's, she hears a noise, and the birds start flying away. <laughs> what is this noise? I don't know, because it might not be the thing we see next, but what we see next is Klaxus or Sarah Kerrigan, as I mentioned before, mm-hmm. also with Smaug the Dragon. <laughs> Smaug. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sitting on a throne in some underground cavern somewhere, and, well, you might recall at the end of episode six that I had a bit of a rant about post-credit scenes. This is not a post-credit scene, but it is. Yeah. Kind of. And I'm not even going to bother repeating my points from that episode because they all apply equally here. This is bollocks and I don't like it because it's just a cock tease. It's just so much later Ooh. in the story as well. Well, it's like, Here's it's like a new I said before. <laughs> what? It's like I said before, I'm willing to bet you that prior to episode 15 or the interim, like the golden week break, that this character existed at all conceptually in, you know, the script. Yeah. I wonder. So... Who knows? Who cares? End of episode. Job done. Well, can I point out, there's a couple of like things that I think would be, could be interesting and thoughtful if they were in another context. Again, like I said earlier, if the show led up to this properly and the character arcs and, and even the thematic questions kind of built up to these points, um... So, you know, Hero, like anime Jesus that he is, like gives an inspiring speech and says that there's more to our lives than piloting the Franks. And they all cry like you and you said, like they're going to they're going to like do their own things. Right. And then like Zero Two then has this interesting line in the last scene with with she and Hero. When she talks about what she thought being human was, like, you know, she was trying so hard to be human and she thought primarily that it was about looking human, just like the princess, I guess, in the myth who tore off her own wing. You know, she thought I need to appear to be human uh, mm-hmm. and so give up these other things that I have. But really, it's not about that. It's about, you know, she says it's this like what she says like you all shine too brightly for my eyes like they have this group dynamic you know this uh collective kind of togetherness they're to use an anime sort of overused term like they have these like bonds of friendship right and that is kind of more what being human is about and that's really nice you know um Problem. that was cool we've already done that in but episode eight it really couldn't yeah yeah it it's already been done she already knew this she already has been doing this this is not new yeah yeah and it's like it's i not said like, yesterday's uh, dues yeah and it's not like built up to proper like it's not a uh, the exclamation point on what's happened previously it's like like you yeah. said it's it's really intermittently touched upon yeah, in fact, thinking back to episode eight, as much as I might have not liked that particular episode, like, Zero Two was indulging in being, you know, human and having fun and enjoying herself while still being very much her, yeah, herself. Yeah, they, they really have done this before. You're so right. Yeah, but in this one, she's not even doing that anymore. She's found her like, darling, so she can just completely become domesticated. 
<laughs> as or no the rock do you remember what nine i sorry alpha nine yeah. said what did he say that he said looks like you've tamed her right well guess well i'll say no more than what's been presented in the episode fuck this show and it it you know it ended with them talking about the the picture book myth just as it began so like they're trying confident techniques right the circular kind of storytelling the the constant uh i guess motif of uh I don't know if that's the right word, but the, all the intimate, physical intimacy in the touch and this stuff about being human. And I don't know. I mean, they're trying stuff. And again, in another context, if I really cared a lot more about the characters, I'd be really grateful for this sort of episode. So would I. There's just not a lot but, there yeah. for me to care about or for the characters to like do and be interesting doing. Yeah. This episode is devoid of two things either of which would have saved it in my opinion one of which if we had a as i've said before we had an idea of why why they're doing this why they're being forced through this what plan franks has Mm -hmm. we don't get any of that so it would have to then fall on to the other thing which is to make the character interactions interesting and meaningful and revelationary but there's no more drama (laughs) because they resolved it all so quickly yeah there's nothing and how on earth are they going to fit it in now and say... I mean, like I said, they had so much time and now they don't have any. Because they've obviously got something else that's going to happen with this Frank Horny nonsense. And yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. This Frank Horny nonsense. Yeah, they've got that oh. going on. They've got, you know, Sarah Kerrigan, Queen of Blades, sitting in, you know, on her throne with Smaug the Dragon, ruling the Klaxosaurs. Mm-hmm. So they've got some sort of actual plot. And I wouldn't even mind if there wasn't a plot if there were character stuff, but how on earth are they going to fit all this in? I don't think they are. I mean... It's going to be tough. They really can't take any more episodes like this, I think. I think they got to just no. push on and get on with this and, and get into it. I don't think they will. They haven't done so far with the vast majority of this show. Uh, but anyway, that, ladies and gentlemen, is episode 16, Days of Our Lives. <laughs> As our Becca turns. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, I am going to start by racing this episode. I actually was going to race it lower than why I'm going to race it now, based on my original thought that they were going with the whole bulimia angle, because I thought, nope, that's just bollocks, and I hate this show for even trying it. But Doc's interpretation is so much better and so much nicer and so much more comfortable. And maybe that's the coward's way out of me thinking that, taking that rather than going my original. I'm not calling Doc a coward, by the way, for saying that. This is just me, you know, saying no. I'm, I, you know, I'm not. I, 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 I'm more comfortable with handling it this way. But my point is that since that's not the case, at least as I believe it, given what Doc has said, and he's convinced around that's a line of argument, and I'm glad that's not the case. I'm going to rate it a little higher, and I'm going to give it two and a half clear soup cans <laughs> out of five. Oh. Uh... Uh, I'm also uh, going to rate it uh, two and a half premature gray hairs out of five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that is that, folks. Um, normal normal business next week. Should everything I hope should so. be back to normal? Yeah. Sorry. That yeah. is, uh, you know, largely my fault that it is so late. Don't, don't be daft. Don't be daft. Um, it's not my place, of course, to say what has been going on, but just suffice to say, folks, that there are 
it these things happen, you know, much the same way as you know we've said with Frank's, like you know, and that things are outside the control. Um, hopefully you'll take a little leniency on us as we've tried to do so with the show. I'm nearly having very rude to it. So, but anyway, uh, thank you all again very much for listening. It's a delight to always have you along with us. I hope you've enjoyed uh, this somewhat much of a rush job but uh, nonetheless if you want to find me on the internet you can find me on twitter at shaden1010 and as for Herr Doctor uh, you can find me at the subtle doctor mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still very jealous of the fact that you have just a straight <laughs> no numbers kind of... <laughs> yeah oh. I'm I'm stuck Sorry. with a code on the end that makes it like I'm doing by it's not your fault it's Twitter's fault you... I know that there's the at Shaden account that's just been camped since 2013 and no tweets since then. Dick. Email anyway. Twitter. <laughs> uh, you can't. I've, I've looked up the policy and they won't do it. Oh, so besides, if they if they did do it, the moment they did, I'd probably get pinched from under me by someone else. So hey, there we go. But hey, you all know me. I'm the original and well, not quite the best, but I'm working on it. <laughs> anyway, until next time, folks, uh, we'll be back with episode 17. And as always, embrace each other, everyone till the ends of the universe and a very good night get well soon umehara-san indeed Indeed.